part of Canada that I remember telling a little boy about Jesus, and he's like, who? And that was such an eye-opening experience for me. And so long story short, the Lord had called me to, the, to, to, to Nova Scotia, uh, but it's kind of narrowed down to the capital of Nova Scotia, which is a, is a, is a, uh, a city called Halifax. Uh, if you go to my back table, I have a little, uh, just a small display of, of the entire uh, province of Nova Scotia. And it's interesting because when you look at the province, I was telling this to Pastor, there's only about a million people in the entire province. So it's not a hugely overpopulated province, but the city that the Lord has called us to has 500,000 of those people. So just about half the population is right in this city. And, and I remember since 2016, I was reading this up, since 2016, Halifax is the fastest growing city in Canada. Immigration, immigration from the world and immigration from Canada, people are wanting to move into the city. And so I remember praying, I'm like, Lord, the people are coming to us. This, this is an opportunity that you just can't pass up. And I remember I, I was serving uh, on staff at a church uh, about an hour and a half outside of Halifax. And I served as, as an assistant pastor. And, and just seeing the city just explode and just grow and the government invest millions and millions into building up the city to what it is today. And I remember praying, Lord, people are coming to us. This is an open door. Lord, send somebody. And you've heard this your whole life. Send somebody, but just not me. <laughs> I was happy with where I was. I was. We were fine with the ministry that we were in. Uh, but over the course of time, Lord really burdened our heart and said, no, 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 no. We're sending you. Uh, and so while I know that we're not the answer, I'm excited to know that we were bringing the answer into the city. And I'm excited to, uh, to be able to go back into Halifax, be able to plant a church. That's our goal. And, and just to see people come to know the Lord, uh, to see them saved, to see them grow, and, and to teach them to serve. Teach them to serve in the church and to love the Lord their God with all their heart. And so uh, just a little bit about me, a little bit about the city. And uh, now if the guys can play the video, and I'll come back up and answer any questions you might have. Halifax is a city with a rich history. From the major role it played for Canada during the World Wars, to it being the main rescue base for the infamous Titanic disaster. This Atlantic city has its fingerprints all over Canada's history. But for all of its accolades, Halifax was historically once considered one of the most difficult mission fields in all of Canada. Immorality, violence, and a general disdain for all things religion due to the influence of war made it difficult for any church presence to survive. Historically, Halifax was once mainly viewed as nothing more than a rough and difficult military city. But over time, things have truly changed. Although the city has always been a major tourist destination, Halifax has now become home to just under half a million people, making it the fastest growing city in all of Canada. There are five major universities that attract students from all over the world, and within the last five years, more and more immigrants have called Halifax home than ever before. Halifax represents over half of Nova Scotia's economy and has become what many refer to as the hub of the Atlantic. This city is growing in every way possible, but as the population continues to rise, there is only one question that continues to linger in our minds. How shall they believe in him? of whom they have not heard. With more and more people claiming no religion, their need for the gospel is clear. Hi, we are the Blingits, and the Lord has called us to Halifax, Nova Scotia. I've been extremely privileged to grow up in a Christian home. And really, for as long as I can remember, my parents have instilled in me a desire to seek after the will of God. It was at the age of nine that my family moved to Ajax, and we began attending Faithway Baptist Church. 
this decision my parents made would prove to be a really big decision in my life because it changed the course of where I was headed. It was that same year I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior, and not too long after, my siblings and I began attending the Christian school. As a young teenager, you know, kind of figuring my way out through life, the Lord had used the influence of my youth leader, my pastors, and the godly friends he had placed in my life to create a burden in my heart to want to serve him. At the age of 15, at a youth conference, it was there that I fully surrendered my life to the Lord to serve him in full-time ministry, but specifically in our great nation of Canada. I was saved at the age of four while my family and I were living in the States. Shortly after we moved to Canada, my dad was called into full-time ministry. Although I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home, I struggled with assurance of my salvation for many years. It was around the age of 15 while attending a youth conference that I was assured of my salvation and there surrendered my life into full-time ministry in whatever capacity he had me. Soon after graduating high school, the Lord had allowed both of us to attend Faithway Baptist College for the next four years. And it was really during these four years that God had solidified that calling to serve Him into full-time ministry. In the summer of my third year, the Lord had allowed me to intern at Bethel Baptist Church in Westville, Nova Scotia. And it was during that summer the Lord had confirmed in my heart that this is where He'd want my wife and I to serve. And so that's what happened. We both began our full-time ministry here at Bethel Baptist Church, and it was during these years the Lord had allowed us to do and grow so much. It was while serving here that the Lord had continued to burden our hearts about our future. And although we fully enjoyed serving at Bethel Baptist Church, we continued to pray and ask God what would that next step look like. It was during these times of prayer that the Lord had placed a certain desire in both of our hearts about the big city of Halifax, Nova Scotia. We had a deep love for this city, we had visited many times, and it was over the course of talking with pastors, reading the scriptures, that God had really confirmed that this is where he would want us to serve in our future ministry. Hello, I'm Pastor Bob Wall from Faithway Baptist Church in Ajax, Ontario. You know, in Canada, our great need is for church planters, and we pray and we ask God to raise up young men who have a vision and a burden to go and start a New Testament Baptist church. I've known Kelvin for many years and Grace as well, and I would say I believe that they are worthy of your investment. They have a great heart, they want to serve God, they understand the challenges, but they need some help to go. So may I ask you to please pray for them. Pray that God would empower them, prepare them, prepare hearts in Halifax for the gospel that they'll be preaching. Thank you for your consideration. Halifax is the capital of Nova Scotia with a population of just under half a million people. Over the last few years, young families have made Halifax home, wanting to start a new life or career here. Our desire is to see these young families as well as all people come to know the Lord as their Savior. Our goal is to be able to start a local New Testament church right in the city of Halifax, to be able to preach the gospel, see souls saved, and then see them grow in their faith. And while we understand that there are difficulties in a city ministry, we are so excited and so sure that this is what God wants us to do. And while some may call this a sacrifice, we view it as a privilege. Would you pray for us as we begin this new chapter of our life serving the Lord in Halifax, Nova Scotia? you get to know a little bit more about us, uh, the calling, and a little bit about our background, our story. Uh, Before I jump into the message, 
Are there any questions? I, I'm happy to answer them. They could be ministry-related, not ministry-related. <laughs> any questions tonight? Yes, sir. They did during COVID, very much so. So it was very much COVID-related, not, not really much uh, religion-related. Uh, it was very much, uh, we don't want you meeting, we don't want you out soul-winning, we don't want you like handing out flyers. And so that was really magnified in Canada during the COVID years. Uh, since COVID has kind of died down, uh, they've also kind of loosened up a bit on that. And so it's, it's, uh, it's still open. Uh, they're still allowing us to preach, to street preach. You know, all that stuff is still very much available for us. So uh, it ramped up a bit for a few years, and they've kind of died down and backed away from that uh, since then. So good question. Uh, any other questions tonight? <clears throat> yes? Um, I don't know if I missed it, but how long have you been uh, in Palestine? So I've been there since uh, 2018, so about five years. Okay. Yeah, so... Been, uh, it's been neat being in the province, in the with the people, in the culture, and so uh, that's been amazing for us. Yes, sir. Yeah, they immigrated uh, from the Philippines to Ontario. So uh, distance-wise, between where I've been serving, where my parents are, is about an 18-hour drive. So uh, it's a little bit of a ways away. So yes, yes. Great, great question. So, uh, simple to, to answer very simply, inflation, uh, which has kind of affected all of us. And so, kind of the draw in Canada is this: the big city life. Everyone loves and is enamored by the city life. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I saw that face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing: uh, the major cities in Canada are becoming way too expensive. And I mentioned specifically young families. Uh, way too expensive for young families that are trying to raise kids. They don't want to pay multi-million for a home. And so they're still wanting the city life, but in a more affordable sense. And Halifax offers that for now. Uh, for now, it's still very much affordable city. Uh, while you get the city life, you can raise a family, you can have a job, you can have a career. And so a lot of the draw has been people just want to start a life without struggling their whole life. You know, So they're moving into Halifax. And that's why we're seeing a lot of the influx really is people aged 26 to 35, which is us. That is, that is, I fall right into that age group. And so a lot of these young families are where we're at. Young kids, uh, you know, just starting a new career. And so uh, it, it's neat because we get to relate to them uh, and we get to build that bridge right off the bat. And so, yeah, that's kind of the draw to Halifax is that they, they love the city, but it's a more affordable city in Canada. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'll leave it at that. Yes, we, we do. It's kind of all over Canada, yeah, as well as in the States. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yes. So we speak English. So uh, majority, like I would say like 95% speak English, and there's a very small pocket of people that speak French. I don't know French very well. I know enough to get like a bathroom. <laughs> My wife knows French way better than me, but uh, there is a small park, pocket of French-speaking people. Yeah. Uh, any other questions? All right, great questions. Thank you so much for that. Let's jump right into the message uh, tonight. Matthew chapter number six is where we will spend our evening. Honestly, my desire tonight is is simply to encourage you. I just want to leave you uh, encouraged 
through the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6. The title, uh, if you write down titles, if you take notes, the title I have for it is, is, finding, is Finding Comfort in the Calling. Comfort in the Calling is what I've entitled the message. And, and the passage we'll be looking at tonight is, is really a familiar passage. If you grew up in church, if you read the Bible, if you listen to messages, Matthew 6 uh, is a very familiar passage. And I'll be honest with you tonight, nothing I'm going to say is probably groundbreaking. Uh, nothing I'm going to say is, is going to be in your mind. But my desire tonight really is, is sometimes in the Christian life, we can be discouraged, anxious, worried, and all that, all the stuff that, we, that, that clouds our mind actually holds us back from serving God to our full potential. You know, I, I, I won't ask for a raise of hands tonight, but honestly, I, I've been here for, what, an hour? You guys have been extremely friendly. You've left a great impression on my family already. Honestly, if I were to ask you tonight, I would assume, if I were to ask the question, how many of you want to live a life that is honoring to God? I would assume everyone in this room would be like, yeah, I want to live a life that is honoring to God. If I asked you, how many of you want to serve God with your life? You say, yeah, I want to serve God in my life. I genuinely believe that many, if not all of you would do that, would raise your hand. But here's the thing that I found in my life. I was in I was sitting there in those pews, and I would have been that guy as a teenager or, or even as a young adult that would say, yeah, I want to serve God with my life. But here's what I found, that most, sometimes, that the purest intentions don't get you where you need to be. Sometimes you can be honest, uh, you can, you, you can be, have the, the most humble and, and pure intentions to say, yeah, I want to serve God in my life. But sometimes that doesn't quite get you there. Sometimes it, 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 it's just words, and, and I'll be honest with you this, this evening and tell you that where we're at in our life as a family, we love what we're doing. We, we feel so fulfilled in what we're doing. I'm so thankful that God is using me in spite of me, but I would lie to you tonight to say, if I were to say that everything we do is easy, and you know that. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not better than you. You know that oftentimes a Christian life as amazing and fulfilling as it is to live out and obey God, there are things that God puts you through and asks you to do that can be difficult. And you know that. And, and in Matthew 5, really 5, 6, and 7, I think that's, what we, that's what kind of what we see here with, with Jesus and, and this sermon that he's preaching. And honestly, one of his more famous sermons. You see, what God is calling my family to do, like I said, it's great. I love it. I enjoy it. But listen, it's bringing me to a place where my faith has been more stretched than it ever has before. It's bringing me to a place where I've had to pray more than I've ever had before. It's bringing me to a place where serving God is costing me than ever before. And sometimes I can look at my life and sometimes I can see what God is calling me to do. And I say, yes, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you've asked me to do. But then the worries kick in. And the anxiety kicks in. And the stress kicks in. And as I mentioned at the beginning, those things that cloud our mind often are the things that hold us back from serving him with those pure motives that we had at the beginning. And so let me give you a little bit of a background here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus here is, is bringing a, really an amazing message to, to the listeners. His disciples are, are in the crowd and they're listening and Jesus is laying down one of the most profound messages that they have ever heard, probably ever heard in their entire life up until this point. And essentially what Jesus is laying down, if, if you want to simplify it, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is laying down a blueprint or principles, 
of how to live a life after righteousness. One, one preacher said it this way, that what Jesus is saying here in these passages essentially is teaching the disciples how to live like Jesus. And so Jesus is giving them principle after principle after foundation after foundation after command after command for them to follow, to live a life that is following after righteousness. And at the very end of the message, uh, near the very end of the message in chapter 7, you don't need to turn there, but Jesus closes his message with a parable that is familiar to all of us. Look what he says. He says this, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. You know that story. We sung in Sunday school, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And so what Jesus is saying to, these, to, the, to the disciples, his followers, is, is essentially this. That, hey, if you obey everything I've told you in this sermon, if you listen to what I've told you to do and you keep that and you follow that with your life, you will be like a wise man that's built your house upon a rock. And that no matter what comes your way, what difficulties in life come your way, nothing's going to shake you. Why? Because you've built your life on me. You've built your life on Christ. And nothing is going to move that from you. And then he tells the flip side to that. But on the contrary, if you don't build your life on my foundation, on these commands, if you don't obey me, if you don't follow me, you're a foolish man. That when the storm comes and the waves come, everything you've built will just come crashing down. So essentially what Jesus is telling these disciples is, hey, listen, if you just follow everything I told you to do, you'll be just fine. Now, I don't know about you. This, what Jesus is asking his disciples to do was a level of discipleship or a level of obedience that they were not used to. This was a level of following God that they were, that was foreign to them. And I can imagine these disciples, these, remember these disciples were essentially nobodies. They were not talented or the most special or the most wealthy. They were just nobodies. They were your average people. And I can imagine as Jesus is laying on the foundation after principle after command on these disciples, there was probably a little bit of worry settling in. How are we going to do all that, Jesus? How are we going to follow through on all that? And it's clear that there was worry because Jesus begins to address some of their worries in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus begins to address the unspoken because Jesus knows their heart. I don't know about you, but if you put yourself in, in, these, in their shoes, I too might feel overwhelmed. And Jesus was calling them to be a disciple that required a deeper commitment than ever before. And in the middle of the message, in the middle of all these important commands, Jesus gives them probably the most comforting words he could give them, literally found smack in the middle of this message. And in the middle of the calling, Jesus gives them comfort. And what I want to do tonight is simply is to encourage you, church, that oftentimes in this Christian life, we can just have the desire and the energy, and the motivation to serve God. But sometimes there are things that hold us back. The worries, stresses of this life, the anxieties, feeling overwhelmed. And sometimes we can look at what God has asked us and called us to do, where he's leading us, and he says, Lord, I want to do that, but that looks really hard. That looks really intimidating. So tonight I just want to simply encourage you through Matthew 6, how to find comfort in your life. How to find comfort in the calling. So four very simple things tonight. I don't want to take too long tonight. Four very simple things. Number one, I want you to see this, that Jesus addresses their priorities to God. 
Jesus addresses their priorities to God. I realize I haven't even read the verses. Let's go ahead and read uh, verse 25 all the way down to verse 34 before we jump in. The Bible says this. Just follow along. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? Why take you thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's go ahead and pray really quick. Lord, we're so thankful tonight for the opportunity to uh, be in church with other believers. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open up your word. And Lord, even for these next few minutes as we set aside our, our own cares, our own burdens, our own worries, our own distractions, Lord, that we would draw close to you. We would find comfort in the words that you left for us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would just uh, leave tonight encouraged. Lord, thank you for this church and their heart for, for missions, their heart to see uh, their, their Jerusalem in the utmost uh, come to know you as their Savior. Lord, bless us this evening. In your name we ask it. Amen. I mentioned, I want, number one, I wanted to see this, that Jesus addresses their priorities to God. I believe as Jesus was speaking, there was an anxiousness or a nervousness in the heart of these disciples because Jesus calls them, O ye of little faith. But these disciples, I mentioned, they knew who they were. They were nobodies. I said Jesus didn't call them because they were the most religious or they were the most spiritual people. Jesus, they, they were nobodies. And not, much, not just nobodies, they also had, watch this, they had nothing. Remember the call to discipleship was essentially to leave all behind and follow him? So Jesus is giving this heavy message to a bunch of nobodies who have nothing but simply a desire to follow him. And I think as these disciples heard this, they were getting nervous and anxious. And so we read verse 25. The Bible says the very first word is, therefore. Not all about you, one of the best things I learned in Bible college is that anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. So anytime I see therefore, I always read the verses before it. What is Jesus talking about? Why does he transition into a therefore? Well, in the verses before that, Jesus once again, is talking about some verses that many of us are familiar with. Jesus begins talking about their desires. What they value becomes what, uh, what they follow. What's important to them becomes their master. Verse 21, probably a, a very famous verse to all of you. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so Jesus begins talking about to these disciples that, hey, what's important to you? That's your treasure. That's where you're headed. That's your direction. That's where you're going. And then in verse 24, he closes that section by saying this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I'm a simple-minded person. When I read verse 24, essentially what Jesus is telling his disciples is that, Hey, 
if you're interested in serving me, then just serve me. Be all in for me. Don't, I'm not looking for a half-hearted disciple. I'm not looking for a part-time follower. If you're going to make me your priority, then make me the priority. Give me your life. Give me your all. If you're going to continue being a committed follower, right now there was a choice that needed to be made if they were going to be all in for Jesus or not. See, what Jesus was saying was that it's impossible as a slave or as a servant to be loyal to two different masters. It was not possible. You were only ever loyal to one. And Jesus was saying that you can't live this life thinking you can serve me and follow after anything else. It's either all of me or even a half heart of me and half part of this is a, cho- is a choice to just reject me altogether. altogether. It's like in the Old Testament when Israel was desiring to serve God and also at the same time desired to serve their false gods. God is saying that, hey, your choice to serve Baal is essentially a choice to forsake me altogether. What is he saying? You can't have two gods. You can't have two priorities in your life. And so right off the bat, Jesus, what he's doing is he's putting the ball in the disciples' court, as we like to say. These disciples knew who Jesus was. They saw a glimpse of what he could do. They saw a glimpse of what he could offer. And Jesus saying, you know all this. Now it's your choice. You're going to follow me or not? Are you going to give me your all? Or are you going to be half-hearted? Because the reality is, for, for, the, for Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to be present in the life of the disciples, they had to choose to be all in for Christ. And by the way, I, I didn't say to make Jesus a priority. Jesus is calling them to be, for him to be the priority in their life. Can I just take a moment tonight and just say, I think that's where many believers kind of tail off. Even in my own life, I look back. That we say, hey, Jesus is a priority with a few other things. I did what Jesus asked me, and I prioritized him this week, but he was up there with a few other interests of mine. That's the cop-out answer, saying, hey, Jesus is a priority. You understand something, church, that if we desire to take that next step as believers, it will not happen unless we make Jesus the priority. We'll never grow. We'll never take that step. We'll never be uh, the Christians that we ought to be if we're just being half-hearted, if we forever live the life on the fence. Can I just say this, that I straddled that fence for many of my teen years. It's a miserable life. It really is. Thinking that you show up on Sunday pleasing God and then living something else throughout the rest of the week, it's not the life you want. And what Jesus is saying right off the bat is he's calling them to make Jesus the priority in your life. And so church, as much as we want to shine the spotlight on the listeners that Jesus is addressing in Matthew 6, can I ask you simply tonight, Is Jesus the priority of your life? Is he number one? Not is he equal with a few things. Is is he number one in your life? You see, Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? I think simply we know mammon as, as like money, wealth, possessions. And Jesus is saying that you're going to chase that or you're going to chase me. But here's the reality, church, that that I read in this passage Can you imagine living in our world today without mammon? Try living without money or clothes or a home. It's hard. 
it's hard to th- it's hard to imagine, especially if we have families, we have spouses, we have friends. That's a hard life to imagine. And so, I believe we are like many of the disciples that was listening to Jesus here. Say, like, God, we want to serve you. Honestly, God, my desire is to live the life that you want. But what about the mammon? How, how's that going to come? You know, as I read this passage, I think as Jesus was preaching this message, there were some disciples convicted by what Jesus was saying because there were disciples that were chasing mammon out of greed. They wanted comfort. They wanted, they wanted that wealth for themselves. But can I say this? I think there were many disciples listening that day that chased mammon not out of greed, but rather out of necessity. They just wanted to live. They wanted to provide for, their, for themselves. And I think that's where many of us uh, fall into. You know, we don't work our nine to fives to become the next millionaire. We work our jobs so we can provide for our spouses and our kids so that when we wake up the next morning, the light turns on. We, we need mammon out of necessity, and that's why we chase after it. And so I, I can imagine his disciples were, were speaking. They said, Jesus, honestly, we want to serve you. Our heart's in the right place, but we genuinely have concerns. How is the mammon going to come? Okay, number one, Jesus says your priority is to God. Number two, we see this, your provision from God. Your provision from God. Look at verse 25 again. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Understand the context of what we're reading, church. Oftentimes we like to single out 25 and just use that as a phrase and say, hey, Christian, don't worry. Jesus will take care of you, which is true. But understand what Jesus is saying here is that if I am number one in your life, therefore take no thought in your life. If you've decided to make me that priority, then don't worry about the rest. Then take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink. And by the way, Jesus was not telling them not to work or to be lazy or to not labor. Jesus was telling them simply not to worry. Look at the three things Jesus addresses in verse 25. He says, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. What we're going to eat and drink and wear. You know, as I read this, it's, it, it kind of confirms that the disciples weren't chasing mammon out of greed or luxury. They just wanted the bare necessities of life. They were just chasing it to survive on a daily basis. And what Jesus was saying to these genuine followers essentially is this. Jesus says, disciples, if you follow me, I'll take care of you. One pastor put it this way. You take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. You give your life to me, you make me their priority, and then don't worry about the rest. You understand what Jesus is, the, the, how, how amazing of a promise Jesus is giving them? And this is so important, church, because this is a question we ask ourselves. We say, God, if I serve you, how is this gonna, and you fill in the blank. God, if, if I allow my kids to serve you, how are they gonna, and you fill in the blank. And remember, from this passage, Jesus says, hey, just serve me, and leave the rest for me to figure out. We believe that, church. I genuinely think we believe that. But I think sometimes we switch it. I think sometimes we have the principles mixed around. We say this to Jesus. Jesus, uh, God, I, I'm, I'm going to serve you in my life. But before I do that, I uh, make sure this happens. And i got to make sure this, and, and provide this for me. And once this is given, then I'm all yours. 
I'll be honest with you tonight, that's where I stood. That's where I stood. In 2019, God began working my heart about serving the Lord in, in Nova Scotia. And I struggled for months. Why? Because I played that very same game. I said, God, I promise you I will do what you want me to do, but I need to know that you're going to give me this, 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 and this, and my family will have this, and then I'm all yours. And God showed me through Matthew 6. He says, no, 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 no. Take those same principles and flip them. That we live a life of faith and not by sight. That we live a life trusting God and, and trusting in who he is and what he can do and how he looks on us. And we take that step of faith and we just follow him with our life and we watch how God figures out the rest. We watch how he provides the rest. Matthew 6 is a reminder that if we choose to serve God, he will promises to provide us. And what Jesus was doing essentially was eliminating any fears or worries these disciples had that they would serve God as forsaken and forgotten people. What Jesus did here in these verses was take the responsibility of their care and put it on his shoulders. What an amazing truth, church. And the same thing still rings out today, by the way. That Jesus says, hey, you make me their priority and all those cares that you have, those burdens you're carrying, those worries that are stopping you from serving me, you commit to giving me your life and I'll take those and put them on my shoulders. They're mine. Come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden. What this was was an open invitation to living a life free of worries and anxieties. What an amazing promise. Look at verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more better than they? Jesus is saying, look, I feed the birds. I feed nature. How much more are you created in my image, whose life has value and worth? How much more will I take care of you? For sake of time, we won't go through those next verses, but Jesus continues to address their anxieties. He continues to address the worries. And if you allow me to summarize what Jesus is saying, it's that the cure to your anxieties, watch this church, is a greater understanding of Jesus. Why? Because what Jesus is saying is, hey, if you just knew how much I loved you, if you fathomed and understood what I'm capable of doing, If you knew how I viewed you, you would stop worrying about all these little things. And church, can I just remind you today and encourage you today that maybe today you you too are in that position where you're just struggling with those worries. Can I remind you how the Lord looks on you? How he looks on your life? That you were worthy of his son? That he counted you worthy? And that if we understood the love that God had for us, if we understood what he was capable of doing, if we truly saw him as God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we would just not worry about those little things. Why? Because Jesus says, I will take care of you. That's who I am. Okay, number one, we see as priority to God. Number two, we see their provision from God quickly. Number three, we see their position in God. Okay, 12 times in this, in this sermon, Jesus refers to himself as their father as their heavenly father. What is he doing? He's reminding them of their position in Christ. And can I say tonight that aren't you thankful that when you put your faith and trust in Christ, he becomes your heavenly father forever. That that doesn't change. And aren't you thankful tonight that he is your father and it's not based on your progress as a Christian? That he becomes your father and it's not based on your perfection as a Christian? He's your father when you obey And even on your weakest days, he is your heavenly father. 
And what he's doing to these disciples is reminding them, listen, I'm your heavenly father. You're my child. That's not going to change. There are two things I want to see here about, about Jesus being their heavenly father, that their position in Christ reminded them that they are loved. Their position in Christ reminded them that they are loved. You know, now that I have a toddler who I can kind of converse with a little more than my eight-month-old, I'm getting a little bit better of a picture of this father-son relationship that Christ describes. You know, I love my son, and I want him to know that. I love my son. You know, I never want my son to get to a point where he questions if dad loves him. I don't ever want him to think that if he disobeys, I love him less. I don't ever want him to think that if he disobeys, he loses sonship. And me, being an imperfect, sinful person, sinful father, how much more a perfect and heavenly father? And what he wants you to know is that in this Christian life, you will fail. For no other reason than you're human. You're going to stumble at times. You're going to feel weak at times. But never in these moments of weakness do you ever ask, God, do you still love me? Listen, that was settled on the cross. He showed you that. He proved that already. And our position in Christ reminds us that we're loved. Number two, our position in Christ reminds us that we are taken care of. He's our father. He's going to take care of us. You know, my son, I mentioned he's three years old. Never once in his three years of living has he ever asked dad or mom, are we going to have food tomorrow? Or if he's going to have clothes to wear tomorrow? Why has he never asked that? Not because dad's rich. (laughs) Not because dad or mom have everything in the world. We don't. You know why he's never asked that question? Listen, because that's not his responsibility to worry about. If my son Bryce wakes up tomorrow and he's got no clothes and no food, that's not his fault. That's my fault. Why? Because I'm his father. I'm supposed to take care of him. We're his parents. We're supposed to take care of him. Can I remind you tonight that Jesus says that, hey, those things, that's not your responsibility to worry about. I'm your heavenly father. I'll take care of you. Serve me. Follow me in your life. Obey me. I will take care of you. I promise. Psalm 37, a familiar verse to all of us. He says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. I'm going to close with this very quickly. We see their priority to God, their provision from God, their position in God, and lastly, we see their promise from God. Their promise from God. Matthew 6.33, arguably the most well-known verse in this entire chapter. The Bible says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, Matthew 6.33 essentially is a summary of everything Jesus has been trying to tell them from verse 25. Jesus summarizes his, uh, this entire section in a way that we never could. My words would fall short if I tried to summarize it. But Matthew 6.33, that's the best way to summarize. Jesus says, listen, seek me, seek my kingdom, and follow righteousness And all those things, what are those things? Those worries you have, those concerns you have, will be added unto you. You see, seeking God means we are actively pursuing what God wants for us. It means we are actively praying, we're actively reading his word. We are active witnesses, we are actively reaching our lost. We are actively examples, we are actively seeking the things that please him. And the end result is that he will provide for you. And church, you know this better than anybody, that when God promises something is a hundred percent. He always follows through 
100%. You know, sometimes, as humans, we're okay with 99. <laughs> we'll take 90. <laughs> I did in school. I'll t- I took 80 in school. You know, we, we buy sanitizer because it cleans 99% of germs. 99.9. I was like, we'll take it. Can you imagine Jesus says, hey, uh, I, I, I fulfill 99% of my promises. I mean, we'll take it, but when is that 1% going to kick in? Understand, church, that when Jesus says something, it's going to follow through every single time. There's no doubts. You don't have to approach it half-heartedly. Don't approach it with worries. Jesus says, seek me and all these things are added to you. I can approach that, con- with that, that promise with confidence. So church, as we close tonight, I want to remind you that sometimes living for God and following God can be difficult, and that's okay. Sometimes we look at what God is asking us to do and we say, Lord, that seems like a lot, and I'm intimidated. That's okay. May we find comfort today, church, in what Jesus promises in Matthew chapter 6. And like these disciples, we too may have genuine worries that, God, if I surrender my life, then how is this going to... God, if my kids give their life to you, how is this going to... God, if I give a little bit more to you, then how am I going to... Natural worries. But can we give them to Christ tonight? Can I say this, church? I've met you for maybe an hour and a half. I don't know anything about most of you. I don't know your backgrounds. I don't know what burden you're carrying. I don't know if you came in tonight struggling. I don't know that. I don't know if you came in tonight worried about something. I don't. But can I encourage you? from what verse 32 says, that your heavenly Father knoweth. He knows. He knows what's on your heart, what's on your mind. He knows what's holding you back. He knows what's burdening you, what's weighed you down for maybe so long. Can I encourage you tonight? It doesn't have to be anything flashy, but simply just ask the Lord to give you comfort. Ask him to forgive you for those worries, for those doubts that maybe you've been carrying. And then dedicate to making God the priority in your life. And then watch how he provides the rest. Church, I hope that was an encouragement to you. I hope that maybe it touched one of you. That really would make it worth it all for us. And I pray tonight that you found comfort in Matthew chapter 6. Found comfort in the calling. Let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight for your word. And Lord, as we opened up your word tonight, I pray, Lord, that I wasn't a hindrance. Or you didn't use my words, Lord, that you spoke through me. Lord, tonight... Maybe there's one or two or three, maybe a family, a couple carrying a burden, Lord, that they would surrender it at your feet tonight, knowing that you know of all these things. Lord, give us safety as we had our separate ways. Bless us. Lord, may everything that we do be glorifying to you. In your name we ask it. Amen. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment, we'll just stand quietly to our feet. The piano is just going to begin playing softly. I wonder tonight, maybe there's something that you've been holding on to Lord I, I, I trust you but what about this Lord I, I want to obey you but what about this maybe tonight it's time to just trust him so Lord I'm going to find comfort I'm going to find comfort in what I know you want me to do because you're my father You're going to take care of me. I'm going to put you first. Is there something that's keeping you from totally surrendering to him? 
would that be? You worried about a job? Worried about health? Finances? Your family? He knoweth. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what he's asking. step out in faith and trust him. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to think about the message tonight. Uh, Lord, how important it is that we put you first. And, uh, Lord, not, not worry, not fret, not be anxious, but, Lord, to know that you, you know exactly what we need, you know, when we need it. And, Lord, we can trust you. And so, Father, I pray you'd help us, uh, Lord, just to, to be obedient uh, to your word tonight. Apply these principles to our lives. Lord, thank you for the message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.